Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Before we get into this episode, I'd love to introduce my guest to you. Meet Naomi Genota, a New York-based content creator, online educator, and talent manager at Boost Society, who helps influencers master the art of brand collaborations and negotiation. An LA native, Naomi was born and raised in the Philippines and became a structural engineer before realizing that climbing the corporate ladder was not what it was cracked up to be. I totally get that. <laughs> Naomi has helped her clients secure up to $500,000 in partnerships in the last 18 months, helped her students land ten dollars to $20,000 months in brand partnerships and leave their corporate jobs, and has fully replaced her own six-figure salary through her 10 streams of income and building her business of influence with her team of 10. Tune in to this episode to hear two talent managers talk about what it's like working with a manager, pros and cons, and even share some of our own experiences so hopefully you'll find this episode really valuable. See you in there. I'm so excited to have Naomi on. She is a triple threat. She's an influencer, influencer coach, an influencer talent manager. So there's so much to discuss. I'm really excited to dive in with you about talent management, what it's like working with a manager, what foundation influencers need to build before hiring a manager, because there's just so many myths and lies about all of that. So I right. and all that squared away, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself also and um, tell us a little bit more about you and how you got started in your creator journey as well. Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> just very honored to even be on your podcast, but um, I guess like, you know, my little elevator pitch, you know, I'm Naomi, I have been in the influencer industry for the last 10 years, and I started out as an influencer for most of it. Um, I actually got started as a beauty blogger. So I, you know, had a knack for collecting makeup and like doing makeup for other people. I was actually a freelance makeup artist. Mm. And then, um, I just started posting like what I love on Instagram and then ended up, you know, posting tutorials on YouTube. So that's basically how I got started. And then um, after kind of not really succeeding with monetizing um, as a beauty blogger, it's really competitive back then. And also at the same time, there's not really a lot of resources on how to monetize and all that. And so I was like, well, it was either I was spending that so much money is basically an expensive hobby that I couldn't monetize. And so I was like, okay, it was either I pick this or I pick my career. I actually have a background in structural engineering. So, I mean, comparing, you know, being a creative versus having an engineering job, like it was kind of a no brainer. And so, um, 
So that happened. Two years like being uh, on hiatus, I actually went on vacation with my my family to the Philippines and I was like I worked so hard working up the corporate ladder for like two weeks of vacation it's not enough and so the first week being on vacation I was like I love this like I want this life forever and then the second week I was stressed out because I knew like coming back Mm -hmm. um, to my job I was like okay I know I have a lot of emails a lot of um, demands from my clients and my boss and all that stuff. And so I was like, I don't want to feel like this. And so I was like, okay, maybe I quit too soon the first time around, like being an influencer. So let's try it again. But like, I came back with more intention. So I kind of gave myself a deadline. I was like, I'm going to give myself two years. And if it doesn't work, obviously like, you know, I can just go back to my job, but I wanted to give myself two years. And so I pretty much studied like being an influencer. And so I took a course, um, like did the work. And then my first year of being an influencer, I earned like 35,000 by myself. Mm -hmm. And I actually was helping a lot of my friends that was going through it with me. And so they're like, what's working for you? And so like, I mean, I was happy to help them because they're my friends. Right. And then 2020 came around and I wanted to figure out how I can make this bigger because I was like, well, you know, growth is kind of plateauing and like you can only earn so much being a micro influencer. And so I was like, I needed to figure out how to make other streams of income and things like that. And so my friends are like, well, you're already doing this for us. Like you're giving us like all this advice and it's been working. So like, why not like teach other people how to do the same? And I was actually very against it. Like I didn't want to be a coach. (laughs) I mean, there is like a negative reputation around coaches because I feel like there have been so many people with maybe not the best intentions or not the best like ethical marketing practices and tainted that entire industry. Yeah. And then I I think for me, it was more of like, I knew I didn't know everything. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be taking people's money and then not being able to serve them the way that I like they want me to serve them. And so um, it actually became like the perfect timing because Um, yeah, like, you know, I was helping my friends here and there. And then um, I actually launched a beta program, like I didn't even talk about it on social, social media at all. I just like offered it to people that I was really helping. And um, it gave me a little bit of perspective. But what really kind of um, amplified my knowledge was through talent management. And so um, at the time, it was actually um, around September ish. And that was the time when I stopped earning money from my nine to five. That was when, um, I was like put on part-time because of the pandemic. And then September I was earning $0. And so my, I was like, there were nights where I was just like crying because I had an apartment. Um, I had a dog and like, I had no means to, to pay for anything. And so aside from like brand deals, and so my manager, uh, Josh, he's the owner of Boo Society. He actually reached out to me and he's like, hey, I don't even know if this is something that you're interested in doing, but I, I, I mean, I've seen your work and like, I, 
like I've known you for so long and like you've gotten yourself so far before working with me as your manager that like I want to hire you on as one of the managers because we are expanding and I at first I was like really like I didn't even think that you know you you would look at me as like someone to do that for you because like Mm -hmm. he's he's very like protective of his it's like his baby and so like for him to even offer me that job was like huge and like um I felt honored to even like um you know be looked at as like some like somewhat of an expert (laughs) and so I was like okay yeah like sure I'll you know take me under your wing like I'll I'll learn like how you do things and um and see where it goes and at the time I wasn't really like looking to be a talent manager either because I was like long term I was always thinking long term like how would it look like for me when I'm like in my 50s or like if I have children and things like that so I was like long term I don't want to be like sitting on my computer like responding to emails and things like that but on the other end of it I was like you know this this could actually work for me because I only know what I know and I only know what's worked for me I only know what's worked for the people that I've helped but I don't know everything Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know um, too much about YouTube. I don't know anything about TikTok. Like I remember blowing up the first time on TikTok and people were like, how do I charge for a TikTok? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I wish I knew so I could tell you. And so um, it turned out to be a really great thing for me because I started working with, with TikTok creators and seeing like what the market looked like for them and kind of came up with my own system to where it was working and so um you know fast forward to now like there's so many things that I think um creators and influencers need to be educated on that I'm seeing like just by managing all these emails yeah and so um yeah and I'm just happy to share like everything that I'm seeing because I I I for sure know that a lot of creators are seeing these kinds of emails as well, but they don't know how to navigate it. Also, because, you know, we're in the online space to where like most of us really just work by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the awareness is really like something that I love doing because, you know, just so that they know that they're not going through it alone. Right. That's amazing. What would you say that a creator needs before even considering a manager because there's this thought that a manager can solve all of your problems and I've also had creators come to me because I have a talent management agency as well and say oh you know I'm not um I'm not pitching for campaigns I'm not really getting a lot of brand deals I haven't really started monetizing yet but I think that you could help me with that I feel terrible because I also started my career as a creator. And so my protective nature is like, I want to help. It's like my first thought. But then at the same time, there's so much that goes into it before you're hiring a manager. And it makes right. it's it makes it seem as if we're these like fairy godmothers with a magic. <laughs> not true. <laughs> it's so true. Like every time I go viral, like when I talk about like things that a brand has done and like how I responded and all that stuff, everyone's just like, I need you. I need you to manage me. And I get all these DMs, but, um, honestly for me, I think it's so important for influencers and creators to learn how to do it themselves. Yes. 
Because like, if you are trying to expand your team and you want to step into that CEO role, um, you have to be able to direct your team the, the way that you want it. And if you are onboarding, let's say a manager and you've never done any of this stuff and you don't know how to land deals, you don't know how a contract, like what's in a contract. You have to learn the foundation of, of all of this yourself, because you, like you said, you are in the CEO role. This is your business. It's not a manager's job to keep it afloat. Right? right. Exactly. So like, if you don't know if your manager's doing a good job or not, like who's to say they're taking advantage of you? Like who's to say that they're giving you a separate contract and they're shaving like money off the top from you. Cause there are like, I've heard so many horror stories, um, like people who have had other managers that have come to us and they're like, you know, um, yeah, like they were taking, a, taking a, a huge part of our brand deal payment or like, um, some of them go through, uh, the, like the payments go through the agency first before I get paid. And like, there's so many things. And, or like, you know, the contract, like the, the, the manager is not really reading through the contracts, but you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so like, if you don't know from the get-go how to do it yourself and you're testing out a manager, um, I like, who's to say that you're being taken care of well, you know, 100%. And And also too, like, I feel like from, um, a, um, a creator's perspective, you also really don't know how they should be representing you. I mean, on the art director side, because that's my background, I've cast models and talent before, and there are people I chose not to work with again because of the way that their manager was acting. And since I'm not really given the opportunity to talk to talent directly, this is my representation of you as the talent as well. So if your manager is being rude or disrespectful or just completely unpleasant to work with, I'm going to assume that because you hired this person, this is the representation of your personal brand as well. Right. Yeah. Also like Um, if you're not landing brand deals on your own to begin with, that will just be amplified if you work with a manager. Right. And like, for me, like I want all my clients to have a good experience with me. And so like, if I were to onboard someone who's never landed a brand deal or who's never worked or who's never like pitched a brand and they're just, they're going to not, they're just not going to have a great experience with me and they're yes. just gonna be like and then they're gonna put the blame on me saying oh Naomi you suck you've never landed me a brand deal well I'm like well you weren't landing one to begin with <laughs> so it's not like it's going to be the secret sauce to your success like I'll do the best that I can and then if there's a brand that I'm already like in relationship with that could potentially fit for you know, as a, like in a collaboration, but ultimately it's not up to me to, to say, yes, I want to work with this creator. It's up to the brand. And so even if like, you know, I have connections with brands, like they ultimately have the power to say yes or no, it's not, I'll do my best to like coach for you and like advocate for you and like talk about all the great things that you have to offer, but it's still not up to me at the end of the day. That's an absolutely great point. You brought something up and I wanted to 
ask you to clarify this for people who are listening who are not sure what this means. When you bring on a manager, should you already have the majority of your brand deals inbound or is a manager's primary job to pitch you for things? There's agents whose primary job is to book you for stuff. And that's how we know that system within the acting industry as well, like modeling, things like that. What is a manager's primary role within the influencer space? So my role is to manage whatever's incoming right. in an influencer's inbox. So if that's not strong and you're expecting me to pitch brands, I'm not going to do that because um, just from experience, like unless you're like, you know, you have very stellar um, stats that I can pitch. Like, for example, if you are really great at selling, which is what a lot of brands are looking for, right. then, you know, it's easy for you to get a brand deal out of a cold pitch. But more than likely, if I'm cold pitching brands, they're, they're, it's not going to turn into a paid collaboration. And so that inbound stream has to be super strong to where like brands are coming to you so that I can turn that into something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I, like I even tell, you know, people that have reached out to me who want, like mainly that's what they want. Like a lot of people are like, I want you to like pitch to brands on my behalf. Yeah. And because like I always explain to them like hey like because like um I only get paid off of commission only and I don't take any kind of flat fee payment from you it just doesn't make sense for me hourly wise to be pitching brands all day long right because like I I would rather like spend my time negotiating with already warm leads mm mm-hmm. As opposed to like, yeah, cold pitching, potentially having a brand say no, and then starting over that entire process. Then we end up with agencies that are charging per pitch. Then the influencer is upset because, oh, I paid for the pitch, but like, I didn't get anything out of it. And it's just like a vicious cycle. And at the end of the day, it's always the manager that gets blamed. It's never the creator who chose to make this business decision and hire a manager and knows right. like, how much money they're bringing in, what their revenue is like. Yeah. And like, cash. they know, like they've, like some people have done it. They're like, well, I don't have time to pitch brands. And like, it's so time consuming. It is. I know that's, it is. That's why it's, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, like, honestly, brands actually respond better when the creator is the one reaching out. Because like, if, especially if you like customize it to like, every single pitch is customized to the brand and you share a personal connection, um, it impact, like the, the response is a lot more impactful. So as, as opposed to like, Hey, like I'm reaching out on this person's behalf. Like it's not, it's very like robotic. Right. Sense. And so like, for me, like, I'm like, if I were to shoot my shot, I want it to be custom and I want it to be personal And I want it to like resonate with the other person reading it. Right. Yeah. I completely agree with (laughs) everything you said in terms of influencers saying, oh, I don't have time to do this. Do you think that nowadays it maybe certain coaches or the industry makes it seem like it's a lot easier to become an influencer than it actually is? Um, it really depends on the person. Because for me, when, (laughs) 
what like most of the time that I've been an influencer, I was working a very demanding nine to five mm-hmm. and I made it work. And so, and that's just like how much time or like how much are you actually willing to sacrifice to make it work? So for me, my first year, um, like getting back into influencing, I made 35 grand and I was, I set at like a at some time aside to connect with brands. I set time aside to have coffee with them. I set time aside to look for jobs that are low hanging fruit. So like I made it work. I was like, Hey, like my, like my goal this month is to make this much money or like land this many collabs. And so I will not stop until I get to that goal Mm -hmm. and so it really depends on the person I feel like a lot of people are like waiting for the other shoe to drop or like for an opportunity to fall on their lap like for me no I was like and I think like being a micro influencer really humbled me in a sense to where like um not everything is going to be a yes like an immediate yes like if I had a hundred thousand followers, like it'll be a lot easier for me to like, you know, pitch a brand. They're going to be like, yeah, like we want to work with you. But like for me, I at the time I had like 30,000 yeah, and it made me work a little harder in order for me to land those brand deals. I completely agree. When I was also an influencer, I was also a micro influencer. It was just like recognizing the fact that this is a relationship building industry. And like, that's the whole point. You have to build these relationships Mm -hmm. on your own. And then if you do decide to hire representation, then you bring those relationships to a manager and say, Hey, here are the brands I've worked with. These are the great experiences I had. These are the not great experiences I had. This is how much they typically paid me this. Like you already have all of this information and I know what to work with. But yeah. I've also had creators um, come to the table and then figure out that, oh, they actually lied about how much revenue they were bringing in. Um, <laughs> I've had those. <laughs> yeah, they lied about the relationships they've had with brands. And turns out you're kind of starting from zero, even though you do have like over 100,000 followers. And now I'm in a weird position because right. I also of- made the choice to work with you. And turns out that it was based on kind of like false pretenses. Right. And I, and this is why I'm so picky on who I work with too. Like I make sure that like, there's these walls and people like, you know, basically there's like, okay, like a level of like, okay, how much access can you get to me? Um, and that's because there's people that, yeah, like they doctor things. Like I've, I actually, um, like had an, like I was working with someone who, in my opinion, like just based on like the stats that I've been seeing, Mm -hmm. um, I thought like this person was doctoring their metrics Mm. and I like, I just like, I mean, this is just for me seeing like, you know, different types of metrics from my clients and it looked really doctored to where like, I was like, I, I don't understand like how this is, um, like even a like you know it was like a media yeah it was like a mediocre it was like a mediocre post but like it was doing so well and so I was like but I saw like the reach and it was just like I know this is doctored and so but like I can't like I couldn't really like call them out it was like a very uncomfortable situation and I was like well I mean I guess I'll like I'll keep working with you until 
um, there's an, like an, like an opening for me to say, Hey, like we haven't really made anything. So (laughs) it's probably time to part ways. Yeah. (laughs) What is the process of finding a manager and what are some recommendations that you would give for an influencer looking for a manager and how to find one that's a best fit for you? Because with working with a manager, it's very much finding a partner. It's like finding a real estate agent, finding a work bestie, you know, like this is a very intimate relationship. So how would you recommend going about finding the right manager for you as a creator? I mean, for me, when, um, I mean, when I found Josh, it was through word of mouth and Mm -hmm. it was because a lot of my friends were already like, um, working with him. And for me, I I'm very protective of my business. And so when I'm, um, like looking for a partner, like I need to be kind of working closely with them as much as possible in the beginning. And this is where, you know, like the whole, you need to be educated as an educate, like as a, an influencer and creator to begin with, because you want to know that they're doing the like right by you. Right. And so like, um, you have to set expectations. Like this is, you know, like when, um, when you're responding to emails, I want to be CC'd on everything and you don't have to be, but like, if you get to that point of trust where like, I can just let you run with it, mm-hmm. then you can choose not to be CC'd. But for me, it was just like, okay, I want to be CC'd on the whole process. Just so I know that you're following up, you're, um, you're responding. Um, and then communicate, I think for me, communication is key also It's like, you know, how often are we going to be communicating um because I feel like a lot of agencies are very corporate in a sense where like oh we're only open from like nine to four and things like that Mm -hmm. and you're not able like for me like um the the biggest thing that I really loved about working with Josh as my manager is the fact that like I can talk to him about everything right and I'm very comfortable in that sense to where like I look at him as a friend and not as like a business, like it's more than a business, like relationship Mm -hmm. to me now. And it's because like, you know, um, I can vent to him about things and then we communicate a lot on like, okay, like, what do we think about this brand? And so, um, so I think like with, um, looking for management, um, you have to interview a lot of, Mm -hmm um, agencies. And then you have to kind of look at their contracts and be like, okay, so what happens if it doesn't work out? Um, how can I, like, what are the, like, you know, your terms for termination and things like, cause there's like a lot of, um, influencers that have reached out to me. They're like, I can't get out of a contract. Yes. Um, or like they automatically renew after a year or like, um, they want me to pay a flat fee of $500, you know, like there's so many things. And so like, you have to set your expectations on what you want and what you can get out of it. So, um, and a lot of these agencies will try to dazzle you with like, oh, we'll bring in 30% more income. And then they're always going to show you results from like their best. Right. And not necessarily like the truth. And so for me, every time I get on a call with um, a potential client, we always undersell. (laughs) And this is just because like, 
we want to make sure that, you know, we're um, not setting too much, ex- like setting the expectations too high to where like, if we don't deliver, then you're like, oh, you guys suck. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, like we want it to be like, oh, like this, per- like they actually like did more for me than what they had offered. And so um, to me, that's important as well. Yeah. It's also a, b- a better realistic representation of what happens. You know, you're not guaranteeing that they're going to like blow up, that they're going to be making a million dollars. Like that's, right. n- that's not a guarantee because there are so many things that are out of a manager's control and are dependent yeah. on the brand, which is ultimately the one paying you. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that we can't guarantee. I also, yeah, don't really focus on like, I'm going to make you so much money. And like, I don't really like that. Kind yeah. Of or like, I'm going to pitch you to like 50 brands a month. Like I've heard that before too. And I'm just yeah. like, that's very time consuming. And, and then also, what's like, the strategy there? Cause it seems I think, like there is no. One. So I, I, I have friends who have like, who are in other agencies and apparently they just put them in, uh, like a mass list. And then they just like, put, like, they just pitch the whole entire roster as opposed to, um, one person at a time. And so, I mean, yes, it, I mean, if you put like, if you pitch like one person in your roster to like 50 people, it is a lot of work. And mm-hmm. so like, in order for you to kind of consolidate, like, but then sometimes it's like, well, is this even the right person to, to reach out to? Like you're put, like you're pitching to a mom, like a mom brand for someone who doesn't have children. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I mean, for me, like if I'm reaching out to, um, a brand, it has to make sense. Like if I'm, you know, pitching like to a mom brand, I'm only pitching the ones that are moms Mm -hmm. that I think would be a fit for whatever the brand is looking for. Right. Cause part of the influencers concern too, is that a lot of them, I'm sure you've had the same thing that influencers tell you that I'm getting brand deals that I don't feel like they're really aligning with what I'm trying to do, or it doesn't really seem like the brand knows what I even do on the internet. Like, like, yeah, for example, if it's like a 22 year old, not a mom in college, maybe just graduated and they're getting collaborations for like mom stuff or parenting or, Hey, are you engaged? It's like, Oh, I just like, don't feel seen. And I don't feel like the brand really takes me into account. So right. the last thing you want is to hire a manager who you're hoping to is going to relieve that process, yeah. really like yeah. build relationships that matter. And then yeah, there's the a, yeah, thing. there's this thing too that's going around. I was like, oh, am I gonna get an email? Like a lot of them are so gung ho about getting an email on their bio with their management, and I'm like, but why do you want it? <laughs> like I don't understand. I was like, so do you you want you want me to filter all of your your emails for you that are like not not even good leads or things that you don't want me to even pursue um so you want me to spend all day doing that than just negotiating and nurturing the relationships you want me to build with just you know maybe 20 percent or like you know 30 percent of the emails that come through you know what I mean and so like and like these this is kind of like you know another mindset of like oh like magic like they're just gonna do everything (laughs) for me so like and I'm like no like what if they want like there's a part like a you know 
someone who wants to reach out to you for another kind of opportunity, like a podcast interview or something like that. Yeah, it's not a brand deal. So I think it's just something that you should be handling. And so, um, and then also like if the brand isn't even something you want to pursue, I would have to like ask you 10 times a day, do you want to pursue this? As opposed to like you just telling me, hey, Naomi, I want to work with this brand and you just forward the email. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a lot of like, I don't know. I think it makes them feel special if they have like an email. (laughs) But then on our end, it's like, okay, cool. So all of the time that you wanted to get back out of your inbox, we're going to like triple that time and send you screenshots via text of all these random things and figure out whether or not you want to do them. The other question I did have is for people that don't know, how does this process work? Okay, an influencer gets a brand email about a collaboration. How does the process work of them sending it over to the manager, then, you know, the manager negotiating if they don't have like an agency email, let's say? So usually for me, if uh, there's an email that my client wants to pursue, he or she will just forward it to me or they um, reply and then CC me and then just say like, hey, like, thank you for... um, reaching out to me, I'm going to be looping my manager in and, you know, she's in charge of um, handling brand partnerships. And so I just kind of like introduce myself mm-hmm. and immediately I ask for, um, I ask if the opportunity is paid, if, you know, the brand, the, the first email doesn't have any kind of information about like, you know, deliverables, timeline offer, or if it's paid. And so I only like, I, I, I just tell them like, you know, um, my client's only able to, you know, commit to paid partnerships. Do you have a budget? And so like when they say, yes, we have a budget. And so like, I usually ask for um, as much information as possible first, like to get the scope of work as much as possible, just so that I can properly quote them. Mm-hmm. And I stall, like, I basically kind of like stall the money conversation in a sense where like, I want you to tell me exactly what you want so I can tell you how much it typically costs. And then when I give them a quote, they're like, well, this is too high. And then that's when the negotiation kind of um, happens. What advice do you give to somebody who is looking for an agency on deciding whether they want to join like a boutique agency or smaller kind of environment or one of those larger agencies like Whaler or Viral Nation, et cetera? Um, I mean, it is a mixed, you know, like everyone has different experiences, right? And it totally depends on who's handling your account. But like for me, when it comes to like, you know, being managed by a popular agency, um, you kind of like have to look at it in a sense where are they um, looking at you as just a number or are they actually looking at you as like a person, like a person, a creator, influencer, a business partner that they want to see succeed. Mm-hmm. Cause like, for example, if, um, you're seeing like, oh, like my favorite mommy blogger, I like, for example, I'm a mommy blogger. And then my, one of my favorite mommy bloggers that I've been following for so long is also managed by the agency that I'm being managed. So you have to ask this question, like, are they, is the brand, like, for example, there's a brand that comes to the agency and they're like, oh, we want to work with, um, people in your roster. 
are they going to pitch everyone in their roster who fits the creator profile that the brand is looking for? Or are they only going to pitch the creators that will make them the most money? And so for me, when I'm, uh, when I'm being reached out to by a brand, I will put like, I will pitch every single person on my roster and give them all an equal opportunity and let the brand decide mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, like, I think I'm going to get more money from this person than the other person. And so like, you have to think about it in that sense as well, that like, um, are they like making sure that every single person in their roster is taken care of, or are they only prioritizing the ones that, um, make them the most money? Right. I recently saw (laughs) somebody say in the TikTok comments, best, best thing on the planet is the TikTok comment section. Somebody said there was a video and it was talking about, oh, I I was a girl who was modeling during Miami swim week. And she was mentioning, oh, I met several creators, really popular creators from TikTok. And she said that one of them specifically was not someone pleasant. In fact, she was actually really confused as to why this girl even had a successful career on TikTok, was verified. And then she said, oh, this girl came with her manager and made it a point that everybody knew that she had a manager. And then somebody in the comments was like, I feel like everyone has a manager now and we don't need so many managers. Not everybody needs a manager. And I was going to ask you, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having this conversation with Naomi. I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. Do you think a lot of people or maybe too many people have managers or people that don't even maybe need a manager have them? I mean, for me, I don't think everyone needs a manager. Um, And I think it really depends on like your goals. So like um, if you're able to manage your own inbox and negotiate with brands a few times a week, like maybe like 30 minutes to an hour a day, like you should be okay. Um, But if you're like, I am focusing on something else and I want to, for example, like if it's taking too much of your time, then it makes sense for you to um, outsource it. So like for me, it wasn't like I, like I hired a manager because I wanted to be managed. And like, I think it's like some magic, magical thing. I actually wanted to scale my business. I was like, okay, like I want to be able to kind of figure out how else to serve my community and focus on that. Because like at the time I was just like too focused on landing collab after collab that I was like exhausted and, and I was working a nine to five on top of that. So I was like creating and doing brand deals. And so like, I wanted to get back to like the whole, I love like loving creating Mm-hmm. Um, and having actual time to do that. And so I was like, okay, like I want to figure out what, how I can serve my audience more and scale my business. And so now like, you know, I'm, my, my time is focused on creating programs and like serving my students and um, creating content to help, you know, my, my followers and things like that. And then I am not so much in my own inbox that's like something handled by someone else. Right. That's a good point. Um, we talk a lot about on this podcast, like building a personal brand and how that's indicative of the goals that you establish. 
and ultimately decides, are you going to just do brand deals and that's going to be your stream as an influencer? Or do you also want to start a business venture? For example, you do coaching and you have your spawn master program. And and so you can go into that realm or, you know, be like Jackie Ina and start like a D to C brand or whatever. And so you have to kind of determine that pretty early on in your career. And I think, yeah, personal branding perspective, I think people don't teach that. So it's, oh, it's so easy to be an influencer. Look, you can have a, you pick a niche, like we'll briefly focus on that and optimize your profile and like hashtags and then boom manager. And it's like, whoa, hold on. There's so many things in between there that you have to put right. on your like own mm-hmm. and yeah. prioritize before even considering a manager because a manager totally is agree. helping you reach certain goals whatever those are, whether they're emotional or their business goals or whatnot. So right. uh, I think a lot of yeah. people don't really consider that. Yeah. Like for me, like my clients either like they want time, oh, like time out of their inbox because they have kids or they're starting their own business or they just have a very demanding nine to five, like whatever it is, like, you know, they just want time, oh, like time back mm-hmm. um, that they're not getting, but they've been doing the work. prior to it was just you know so and this is like where I evaluate like okay like how like what have you landed before um working with me and you know like for me like I always think about this way so like if I um were to do this career today like what would that look like when I'm 40 or like when I'm 50 when I'm 60 will I see will I still be on TikTok like you know, doing dances. <laughs> no, probably not. You know what I mean? So like, will I still be landing brand deals? Probably, but like it would pivot so much. And so like, how are you going to pivot your brand? Like, how are you going to create a brand to where you can pivot into anything? You know what I mean? So like, if you look at like creators, like, I don't like, I don't know if you know, Desi Perkins, like this is like, she's like an example that I like to, to use for my students. It's like, she started out as like a beauty blogger. Like she blew like the way she blew up was like creating tutorials and creating Halloween looks Mm -hmm. and like people loved her for it. And then she collaborated with a whole bunch of like you know, brands to create her own collection. And because of that, she kind of like, you know, created like a fan base in a sense where like people were like buying all, like selling out of all of her stuff that she's like with the collaborations that she's doing. And then fast forward to today, like a lot of people are starting to rediscover her or I guess like in the the last few years, people, people are starting to rediscover her as a different, in a different light. And so she was like struggling with infertility and this has actually been like, so she's actually one of my friends. And I like, I remember the first time that we talked about like um, signing with like an agency, like she was saying, like, I really want um, to have kids. And so like, I want to make sure that everything is like um, set for us, like as far as like insurance and all that and all that. And so um, I remember her talking about that very early on, but she never shared that with the internet until like right before she had ocean. And so like when she did that, it's like, you know, she gained a whole different type of following. Right. And, you know, she's been in the industry, what, 10 years and people are still kind of following along in her journey and her growth. 
Right. And because of that, she has launched her own skincare line and her own um like sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and that takes like planning. And so you have to kind of think about, okay, what are my goals to begin with? And like who like who who do I want to serve? And how I want to make an impact. Um, and it's not just because like, oh, I just want to make money off of brand deals. No, like what is the big picture yeah. for you? Because like, you know, yeah, you can land brand deals and you can be a freelancer all your life. That's fine. But like, how do you want to amplify your brand to where you can actually just, you know, retire or like, you know, when you're 50, you're no longer doing what you were doing when you were 20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to kind of think about it in that light. Like for me, I look at it like, I, like this is my career. So like if I, if I were to have, you know, children or um, like I'm, I'm old, like I'm not going to be keeping up with the the Gen Z or like, you know, whatever generation is, you know, popular on the internet you know what I mean so like whatever they're doing like I'm not gonna do that you know (laughs) so um so yeah you have to kind of think about it in that light so like what do you want how do you want your career to evolve yeah I couldn't agree more I always ask prospective clients I'm like give me an elevator pitch it's you and me in an elevator I don't know you but you know that you want to work with me give me the elevator pitch if the first thing that they start to talk about is how oh yeah, so this content is getting a lot of views or, oh, this thing is really engaging. And they start talking about views and my life, my style, me, 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 what I'm getting out of it. I'm like, let me cut you off. Let me be Simon Cowell from American Idol and just be like, it's not (laughs) going to work. Sorry, babes. It's not happening. But I think that the reason why there's so few like successful influencers like Desi is that there are so few of them that consider their audience and who they're impacting and who they're influencing. Influence isn't, you're not influencing yourself. You're influencing yeah. people. It's like, what do they right. want? What problems do they have that you can fix with the, your passions and the things you're interested in? Right. And, the- and you know, like people follow them for a reason. Exactly. So you have to figure that out. And right. so, and that's consistent with any platform. Right. You know what and I mean? And then it makes it easier for us to work with a creator. Cause then we're like, oh, okay. So this is the person we're trying to target. Here are some brands I know that would be a really great fit for that. Oh, are you really strong in conversion? Oh, great. Cool. Let's then negotiate a way where you can have the opportunity to showcase your sales skills to a brand and then solidify that relationship even further. So right. you have to know your strengths, know who you're targeting. It's just like a brand builds a brand strategy yeah. and it goes into so much planning and detail. Exactly. I think a lot of creators and influencers don't realize that they're more than just creators now. And they're more than just creating art on the internet. They're actually marketers. And so if you want to work with brands, you have to look at it from their perspective, like, because they want, like what they want to do ultimately is grow their business, sell products, sell services, whatever. So how can you be um, a person or like an expert that can contribute to their growth and contribute to their business in a sense where, okay, like we find you valuable. So yes, we're going to pay top dollar for you. Correct. And so like, you have to come up with a strategy, like you have to like appeal to them in a sense where the people that are following me want your product. 
Right. Not like, I love your brand. Like that doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, yes. Like I, yeah. Like if it's like genuine and you know, you really love the brand, but like, how can you market that to your audience in a, in a unique way Right. to where like you can, you know, you can make your audience love the product the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier when you, when you know what it is that they're looking for from an emotional standpoint. And then you can pick brands that align with that. And you're not grappling for every single collab and then accepting things at rates that are just unimaginable. Exactly. Um, Which is also something I wanted to see what you think about this. So yesterday, the head of influencer marketing at Notion came under some fire because she started publicly posting basically how they price creators. And it's the same way that we all expect. It's cost per view. So she'd open a creator's profile, does not even consider like their creativity, what they bring to the table, doesn't consider contingencies, nothing like that. It's just like, cool, cost per view. You're worth based on the fact that you have 17,000, let's say followers on TikTok, your videos get like 200,000 views on average. I would price you at like seven cents per view. So cool. Awesome. Now you're, now you're making, I think I, let's say like 500, $600 per post. It's like, okay, but that doesn't consider anything else. And then she said something, and this is the thing that like she came under serious fire for is she was like, I don't like to pay anybody under $500. And a creator stitched her video came with receipts, pulled up an email that their team sent to him. And they wanted three videos on TikTok for a total of $625. And he was like, hold on. I thought you said you don't pay you know, anything under 500, like per video, he defended himself really well. And that's amazing, but it's also because he has a marketing background. So I think it was easier for him to do that. And it really frustrated me because the cost per view, like that's so disrespectful to the creator to say like, you're only as valuable as how many views you get, but what about everything else that goes into being right. Or even being an expert at like, you know, knowing notion or like knowing any platform and like being able to market it specifically to an audience where like, Hey, like it takes time. I mean, like if you've never, like, for example, you've never tried notion before, and then you're trying to figure out like how to market this product to your audience. Like it takes time to test things out. And this is like, you know, something else that is not talked about like that, you know, you have like, for example, a skincare product. Um, usually there's brands that are like, oh, we want you to post in a week. I'm like, but like, I won't see immediate results from a skincare product. It takes about like 20, at least 21 days for it, for, for my skin cells to like, you know, like, you know, just like turnover of skin cells. Like it takes over like 21 days in order for me to see like visible results. And so people don't understand like you know some brands are like so like okay we need quick turnaround blah blah blah. but like they don't take into account that it actually takes time to you know produce something that is authentic and real and something that will resonate with a specific audience and that varies you know there's like I mean there's obviously there's creators who will post anything and people will buy it like a Kylie Jenner or something like that. Sure. Like, you know, not everyone is like that. That's like literally the top 0.001%. 
of everyone. Um, yeah, like I've had that same problem with another project management tool. <laughs> what is up with these people? It was crazy. And then he ultimately said, also, you're trying to hire me for a college campaign. I'm way out of college. So maybe you guys should consider who you're hiring for this campaign. Right. That's yeah. disappointing because I actually pitched Notion like not that long ago. <laughs> Well, now, you know, <laughs> now I know, now I know. Yeah. Right. And it was somebody too, that, like you said, had like a serious passion for the platform. He sells notion templates. He has a whole playlist giving tutorials on the platform. So it's like a very organic fit, but mm -hmm. then something like that, where I'm pretty sure it just like turned him off from even working with them in the future. And it's, oh like, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it was the same with ClickUp. <laughs> They're, they don't pay anything. <laughs> the thing with ClickUp is my followers know exactly. Like if I'm like talking to you about a project management tool, they know who it is because I'm, they say I get horny for the, for the platform because someone <laughs> talks about it. I'm like, yes, like I'm waiting for you to talk about it so I can talk about it. Mm -hmm. So like, um, they reached out to me 2020 and they've been like, so different people have been trying to reach out to me from their team for like two years now and every single time we don't agree on budget obviously and um they were saying like they're I mean it's organic for me because I talk about it all the time like said, I've convert yeah. I've converted like even my so my VA or so Alex my VA who's now my OBM I okay. taught I was the one who taught her click up Mm. And because of that, like it sparked so many ideas for her that now she like talks about it. That's what she trains on. She sells templates and things like that, which is awesome. I love that. And I've converted so many of my friends to use it as well. Um, and it's something that I use on a daily basis. Like everything lives on ClickUp for me. And um, so for me to talk about it in a sponsored manner, it's going to be so organic that I'm definitely going to get some conversion. Right. Well, you're already getting it oh. organically. So, right. And so like, um, they were said, like, they basically said that people with like over a hundred thousand followers, they don't pay over two fifty. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so disappointed, especially because a lot of the people that use ClickUp are like women and business owners and coaches and like just service providers. And they're the way that they're doing their marketing is like very like frat bro, like vibe that is like so masculine. And I'm just like, I want to be able to help you guys market to like the females, because this is not working for us. Like all of, like, for example, like I've seen their marketing on um, a billboard and like at the airport and like uh like like a like a park bench or a like a bus stop and I'm like yeah. this doesn't work anymore <laughs> you know what I mean so if you want to like market to people who will actually use it for a long time like you have to figure out who you're like a market that you're tapping into and right. so and for me like I know that it's essential for like business owners essential for creators and the like I've tried so many different platforms that I, I think their free version is the best one but the fact that it's just like their influencer marketing and like their marketing department is just like crap I'm just like okay well I'm gonna sell my own templates then <laughs> and that's how I'm gonna get my money back <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you're already naturally converting it's absolutely ridiculous the skincare thing also pisses me off because I remember 
when I was an influencer, I would have a lot of skincare brands come to me and be like, we need this immediately. So you want me to compromise my reputation and potentially like falsely advertise and then fall under fire with like the FTC for doing Mm. so Yeah, and have to essentially cover my own ass for the rest of my existence. That's that's another thing (laughs) that creators do not know. What? The FTC? The FTC, copyright, like they think it's just like, oh, like I'm just going to use a trend that I saw on the internet and I think it's going to go viral. So, because I know ads don't do well, so I'm going to use this trend, but like not realizing that it's a copyrighted song that that you're using or um, all that. So, yeah. Yeah. My final question for you would be, what advice or thing do you wish like you knew when you were first starting out as a creator, especially to help with the longevity of your business and build this into a full-time career, what piece of advice would you give to a creator that's trying to do the same thing right now? So I think for me, like, um, think of the long game. I think people kind of like get blinded by what's in front of them. Like, oh, I want to go viral or like vanity metrics or like landing my first paid partnership. And while all of those are great, like, what does that look like? five, 10, 20 years down the road? Like, how do you want this to be your, your thing, your career? Mm -hmm. And so like, you have to kind of like, um, think of the big picture and then work backwards. And so like, and I think a lot of people spend so much of their time, um, just looking at the, like the instant gratification and not really looking at, okay, like what is the hard work that goes behind the scenes so that I can like put my head down, but sus- like create something more sustainable long-term. Right. And that's when like, I think for me, when I was starting out, like I wish I had someone that already knew, like who, who had already been in my shoes and like telling me what to do. And so, and that's kind of like who I wanted to be for, for creators and influencers is because like, I never had that kind of support. Like I was trying to figure out how to land brand deals, but nobody was talking because they thought, you know, it's competition. Oh, like if I share you this, then I won't get the opportunity. I'm like, no. Um, So, and then also I think for me too, like what's really important and what really like kept me going was like finding my, my tribe and finding like you know, my circle, my inner circle of friends or like other creators or other like-minded people so that, you know, when I'm getting discouraged by like a, like a, a lot of brands saying no, or like my posts flopping that, you know, you have people cheering you on. Right. And so, cause you know, this in the beginning is so lonely because like, you know, you're working remote, you're not really like interacting. It's, it's not a job to where like you can see like your coworkers every single day and things like that and go to lunch with them. Mm-hmm. Like most of the work is like done just behind a camera. And so, um, yeah, so for me, like having support and having, uh, yeah, like a support system was is so important when you're starting out because like, you know, it's, it's nice to like, know that someone else is, um, going through it with you. And then it's also nice to like, um, compare like, Hey, what was your experience with this brand? Or like, what was your experience 
um, with this, like, have you ever encountered this with a contract or like, you know, just like things like that. Um, so that you are able to kind of like figure out how to navigate it yourself. That's such a good, that's such a good answer. Your tribe and like embracing people, not as your competition, but as people that you can learn from and like can support you, which by the way, we mentioned this earlier, but you have a signature program, right? That you basically teach your experiences and um, things that you've learned as a creator, but also now as a talent manager in terms of working with brands. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Right. So yeah. So my signature called the spawn master so um I have a knack for like coming up with like really clever names it is a good name (laughs) um so it's basically like just the bit like all about the business side of influencing and so I think for me um I've invested in a lot of like influencer coaches or Mm -hmm. not influencer coaches influencer courses and a lot of them you know like teach you know the creative side how to create content how to like edit how to like um ways that you can go viral or like gain a lot of tractions social media tips and while that's all important I feel like every single course that I've invested in only has like one or two modules on monetization mm-hmm. and it only goes through on this like it only talks about the surface level and so for me um I thought about like every single part of my journey and how I can support Naomi 10 years ago and five years ago and three years ago, all the way up to like me transitioning into a full-time creator. And so I've thought about all of that and put it in the course. So it's basically kind of like comprehensive of like um, how to figure out what your strengths are um, and how, like what are the skills that are marketable to a brand Um, how do you reach out to a brand to where it actually converts into a conversation, how to price yourself, how to negotiate, how to create um, longer term relationships and what happens when you actually land the partnership? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you avoid um, getting like reshooting the whole thing or like making sure that you're FTC and copyright compliant, you know, like those things that other court like you know I feel like for me like at least for me like in my experience like a lot of courses like don't go over but it's so important and it's like um and and I want influencers and creators to be fully equipped to where they know okay like I know that I need to avoid xyz so that I can make sure that I'm hitting the nail every single time and like brands see me as a professional and not as like a you know just like a creator who just decided to pick up the phone and start dancing on TikTok. Right. And so kind of, and it teaches posture. I think for me, like posture is so important um, because that's what stands out to a brand. Because like, if you look at it from a brand standpoint, they still all work corporate. And Mm -hmm. so when you're talking to them or like when you're negotiating, communicating with them and you're working with them, they have to see you as a professional and that's what stands out to be like, I loved her. She was on time, no edits, so easy to work with. I'm going to work with her again. And those are the notes that they put in their spreadsheets to right. when they're like casting people again, they pick their favorites based not. Yes. They like consider like the results and things like that, but what d- creates an impact, especially the ones that are going to be 
top of mind are the ones that are on time, that are ones that are um, professional, that are ones that are responsive, that are always like accountable. Yeah. It's like any other job. It's like if you're right. a person who shows up, you treat everybody with kindness and you are a pleasant person to work with. It doesn't really matter how talented you are. Like right. you're going to be the person they're going to choose over somebody who, yeah, maybe is more talented, smarter than you, but they're kind of a dick about it. So yeah. So yeah, I feel, I feel like for me, it's just like, you know, I kind of compiled everything that I've learned over the years and put it in this course to kind of make sure that they have all the tools on their belt to know what to do um, in every stage of their influencer creator career. I love it. Yeah. I, love it. I actually went through the sales page on the course and it was, I agree that what you said earlier, like wanting it to feel as something that's a little deeper into like the business side. I would agree that I don't think there's a lot of courses that really go very right. That, so. And it's, yeah. And it's things that I learned on my own. I was like, oh, like I didn't think that, you know, this is something that you would even need to do or like for something as simple as like knowing what to look for in a contract is something that is not taught. It's just like, you know, do I hire a lawyer for this? Or like, I remember the first time, like I read a contract, I had to send it to my friend who is a lawyer. And I was like, I know, like, I'm asking you to read this, like, I'll pay you whatever, like your, your, your fee is, but I just want you to like, tell me that this is okay. Yeah. And so like, you know, you don't, not everyone has access to that kind of support. And so like, you know, might as well, like, teach them how to read it and like what it means, what it says. And yeah. Cool. Definitely go check out Spawn Master. It's a great opportunity to build a foundation for yourself before working with a manager, because that's what we look for is that you are. Yes. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I've had, I have students that are active clients of mine and like one of them, I told her, cause she, I remember her asking me like, Hey, can I work with you as, you know, my manager. And I was like, come back to me when you're making this much. And I made sure that I was like, you know, I've taught you all of this already. And so, and you're fully capable of doing it because you're one of my, you know, star students. And so just keep going at it and then come back to me when you're making this much. Right. And she did. And I was like, actually really proud of her. Cause like, she actually took action and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who take action. Yeah, I agree. It's not just about thinking that we'll just wave a magic wand on your behalf and everything's done. <laughs> yeah, I have a million followers. Like, <laughs> land me brand deals. Yeah. I but- wish it worked that way. Like, I mean, I'd love to, like, work with creator, like, all the creators that are not making a lot. But it's just, like, I don't, I only have 24 hours in a day. I would be burnt out. <laughs> But I'm so glad that you came on and, and shared your expertise. It's always cool for me too, to learn from managers because everybody operates so differently. I'm sure this was helpful to people listening who either glamorize managers or are considering <laughs> one. <laughs> Definitely not glamorous. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate you coming on and sharing your time with us. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. And I loved all these questions. Honestly, like I love it when people like get me to think critically. I'm like, yes. thank you (laughs) this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in shopify's there to help you grow sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase 
That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.